1: Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs
0: across the world or across town. And now, the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. The Bible is so filled with extraordinary. Jesus, uh, you know, he was a Jew, and uh, Jews just did not go through Samaria, but Jesus did. He was different. You just didn't touch lepers, but Jesus did. And even Peter, a staunch Jew, when it came time to, to deal with Cornelius and start dealing with the Gentiles, he obeyed God. Uh, I think it was a little bit uncomfortable for him, but, but he did it. And sometimes God calls us to work with individuals that we may not fully understand but then, when you start working with them, God gives you clarity. God gives you a love and a peace. And we pray that uh, you would understand that, and this program today would help you in, the, in that area. Uh, again, as it said, this is Bert Harper, and along with my co host, Nathan Harper, we, are, we wanted you to really listen to this program. We're excited about what God might do in the lives of those who are listening and saying, you know, I may have an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ uh, that I didn't think I had, but I do now. So, Nathan, the opportunities that God gives us sometimes are unexpected, but if we don't at least be open and strive for it, we'll never get those opportunities or take advantage of them, will we?
1: Yeah, I think uh, God wants to give us his heart, for all peoples, but also his eyes to see those opportunities. And there's many more opportunities I know I've had in my life looking back than what I took advantage of and, and even noticed at the first turn. So I think um want to pray that prayer. God, give me those eyes to see what you're doing.
0: Yeah, and, and when we get those eyes, then God can do that work in our lives and he will let the vision expand and it will be strong.
1: So God I think wants to give us his heart but also his uh, his eyes to see those opportunities in front of us and we're excited today to share about some of those opportunities someone who has uh, is following God and uh, taking those steps to uh, meet those uh, those uh, opportunities that God has given her And so our guest today is Lauren Plute. Lauren, thank you for joining us today.
2: Hey, thanks for the opportunity. I'm really glad to be here.
1: So Lauren, tell us a little bit about yourself just real briefly. Introduce yourself, maybe even uh, your family to us today.
2: Yeah. Well, my name is Lauren. Um, I have a wonderful husband named Ryan, and we have three awesome kids. We uh, (laughs) are normal, everyday family. We enjoy sports. We I like to cook. Just all the normal things probably when you think of a family with kids right
1: now. Awesome. All right. So that's one thing I think it's important for everyone to know and uh, to begin to understand is that whether you are a missionary family or a pastor's family or whatever family living on mission, you're you're normal, first of all. I mean, you know. Yeah. I think that's important to know. So. Lauren, tell us a little bit about your uh, your story, though, how you and your family sure. maybe uh, began this missions journey, even maybe go back further than that, if you would like to, and share about how you started your walk with Jesus.
2: Yeah. Well, both my husband and I are very blessed to come from Christian homes. You know, we both had um, godly parents and were raised, just really blessed to be raised in godly churches and churches that point to the Bible and to Jesus and the grace. And um, I did not know my husband when I was a kid growing up. We grew up in two different states. But honestly, I'm so grateful because I think our, our call to, to mission specifically was, was similar in a lot of ways. Both of us were in elementary school and had um, Bible teachers in our lives, whether Sunday school teachers or a teacher at school who taught us about missions and taught us about just the love of God and God's love for people. And so both of us have stories about being in second and third grade, and a teacher telling us the story, and um, in our hearts kind of even at that age going, God, we believe that you've called us to mission. And so fast forward a lot, we went to Bible school, met there, and, you know, just in our relationship talked about how we believe that God was calling us in the direction of mission, and so we got married. And um, we actually, we were youth pastors for three years and wanted to get some good experience on the ground yeah. just working in a, in a church. Um, but one of the things that was really pivotal, kind of in our transition from being in ministry as youth pastors into mission, was we had gone to a conference. And I remember at that conference, um, you know, we were sitting around at conferences, there's always boobs and lots of flyers and paperwork. And um, mm-hmm. we were just you know, picking up these papers. And there's a little one. It was almost the size of like a fortune cookie paper. And I remember the quote said, there are people in the world that have a higher probability of winning their local lottery than they do of ever hearing the good news of Jesus one time. Wow. And that was a quote that just really stuck with my husband and I. And I don't know if it was like this huge moment where we felt the sky open up, but that, that quote just really dug in our heart over the upcoming months. And um, specifically, where the scripture where paul is saying that he desires to go to places unknown and to places that were not reached that was something that we really felt god was calling us to was to go and to share the gospel with a group of people who had never heard before and unreached and unengaged people groups and so that's mm-hmm. what led us specifically that was kind of a little bit of a journey that brought us to working with muslim people
1: okay thank you for sharing that you know you mentioned uh uh, a word, unengaged, is it's one we talked about every now and then here on this program, but just for clarity's sake, you know, you have um, unreached people groups, and uh, generally speaking, those are groups of people in the world, ethnic groups yeah. of people that are mostly, you know, without a witness of the gospel, at least 2% mm-hmm. or less or uh, yeah. evangelical followers of Jesus. But unengaged means there's no witness even among that type of group. No sure. missionaries. No, no, no group
2: that we know of is even trying to reach them.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's where you guys felt called.
2: Yeah. God. So
1: tell us about that kind of first, those first steps in, in trying to uh, get to the field in a place like that.
2: Sure. Well, you know, when we, so we through with the Move of God World Mission, we, Love, we love lots of missions organizations and have friends for many different ones, but that's our organization. And when we were, when we felt like God was calling us to take this steps to start moving in the direction of this, you know, we had to fill out an application. And in the application, mm-hmm. one of the questions is, is, well, where do you feel called? And so we were just spending a ton of time praying and saying, Lord, you know, where do you want us to go? And you have all these memories of missionaries who've spoken before who say, oh, well, God called me to Africa, and God called me, you know, to expire And really, none of those things were happening for us. We were praying, God, where do you want us to go? But what kept coming up in our hearts and what God kept pointing us to through circumstances was we felt like God was calling us to a purpose and to a group of people more than He was calling us to a place. And so He was calling us to Muslim people. And um, he just began growing in our hearts, this love for Muslim people. And, you know, I grew up in America, um, you know, I've seen all the movies and TV shows, and obviously 9-11 was a huge, you know, a thing that happened in my life. And so I had to work through a lot of this, you know, it wasn't like we weren't afraid, and it's not like we didn't have those preconceived ideas or maybe prejudices even that just happen a lot of times when you grow up in the States. And so we had to right. work through a lot of that, but we could see how God was really beginning to break our hearts and give us his love for Muslim people in that process. When we were saying, God, where do you want us to go? He was calling us to a purpose and not necessarily a place, and that purpose was to reach Muslim people. Mm. This awesome. is, Incredible. by the way,
0: this is Exploring Missions, Bert and Nathan uh, Harper, and we're interviewing Lauren Plute. Is that how you say that, Lauren? Yep. You okay. It. It. And uh, so— I can't help but th- the similarity when I first heard your story and, and I knew Nathan and his story, I said, man, Nathan's got to take the lead on this interview. But I just got to say two things, and Nathan, i throw it back to you. You know, youth ministry, all three, I was a youth minister, Nathan, youth minister, you and your husband, three children, we had three children. So uh, there's a lot of similarities. And, and you two, the love that you guys have for the Muslim people, uh, was, you know, God instilled in you. And my, and again, mine has grown. I, I'm not saying I'm where you guys in where God has you. So he's got further to take me. But with Nathan introducing me to some of the people that he came in contact with and was working with, there where he was, touched my heart. And, and I found out if you get to know someone in that area a muslim if you get to know someone that is completely different than you and you start seeing them is important god really is able to take care tear down the barriers nathan i, I just absolutely. that i've seen that happen Nathan, yeah
1: yeah absolutely i mean it happened in our lives lauren i am curious to kind of go along with that before you uh, left for the mission field did you and your family ever have any kind of interaction did you have many opportunities to uh get to know Muslim people here in the, in the U S
2: you know, it's kind of funny. Um, we had a little bit, nothing major, uh, nothing usually maybe meeting a woman at the grocery store or, um, you know, we were at the, we lived in Minneapolis or we lived in Minnesota and there was a large group of Somali people that were in Minneapolis. And so I right. would intentionally go to the Somali grocery store just to meet some of these women. But really, honestly, God was calling us to this before we really had um, any really Muslim friends at all. And since then, we've had many more interactions, tons of interactions. But really, at, at the point of our calling, we really hadn't had uh, a deep friendship with a Muslim person.
1: I mean, it's interesting, and I've I've talked to many mission workers who uh, have the same call to uh, to work with Muslims, but did not really know too many as friends before before moving overseas. Yeah. And so what was that transition like for you guys to uh, to move overseas as a family? I don't know how the ages of your children at that point.
2: Sure. Well, when we left for our country in the Middle East, uh, our boys were almost two and almost four. So it was a really busy time of life. Okay, um, yeah. We landed there and found out about six months later that I was pregnant with our a uh, little princess who was on the way, and so she was actually born in uh, our, our Muslim country that we were in. And that was a wonderful experience for me. You know, we were surrounded in 99.9% Muslim people, and my doctor was Muslim, and all my nurses were Muslim. But one of the things I think is really important for people to know, and you guys have already touched on it quite a bit, um, you know, we have barriers in our minds. We think that, oh, a Muslim person is so different than us. We have our preconceived ideas. We have we understand parts of what they believe, and it seems so different from what we believe. And so it feels like there's this gigantic wall, really, that's up between us and, and the Muslim person. And what moving to our Muslim country taught me was that Muslim people are so often, I mean, they are like us, you know, their moms, mm-hmm. their dads. They're people with jobs. They're people with children. They worry, honestly, in the middle of the pandemic, they're worried about their kids getting the virus. You know, all these different things. They have just so many times they have the same dreams and aspirations. One of the things that was really fun in our country, soccer or uh, uh, football is a really big deal. And so they're passionate sports fans, you know? Like, they like to play video games. Like, my husband would say, I'm super late playing FIFA World Cup with our our Muslim friends and living in that Muslim country. We were there. We moved there in 2011 and we left in 2018. And living in that country and having these friends that taught us, you know what? They are, they're like us. The big difference is that they don't have the peace that we have and they don't get to have the joy that we have because they don't know the Jesus that we have. And really, that, yeah. is, that is what separates us. You know, all of us were—one of the things in our ministry that we're in now that we talk about is, you know, people hear the word Islam or they hear about a Muslim person and they—all of their, you know, the things come to mind, like terrorists and all these awful things. But what we try to do is we try to separate the idea of Muslim from the idea of Islam. You know, Islam is a lie. Islam is deception. And there is, there's really evil things that exist in Islam, but a Muslim person is a person that was made by God. A Muslim person mm-hmm. is someone that God wants to worship him, and that person is blinded by the lie of Islam. And so we yeah. can love the Muslim person and hate the Islam at the same time. And so living in our country just helps us flesh that out daily and just to really see the humanity and the the fact that Muslim people are made in the image of God and that he loves them. So yeah, absolutely. The
1: oh yeah, definitely. And I think it's important for all of us to understand our listeners to kind of get the idea that, you know, most Muslim people around the world, uh, I don't know a total figure, but I would say, you know, at least a billion right at a billion close to that. Maybe, I don't know, but, uh, all the most of the Muslim people in the world have not yet heard a clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ shared with them. And, um, you know, it's not like they have a choice of, should I believe Islam? Should I believe Christianity? Mm -hmm. There's no choice for most of them. You know, this is a religion they're born into and they 99% will die in this uh, without without someone going to share the good news of Jesus.
0: Guys, the last last two years, I've had the privilege of going to the National Religious Broadcasters meeting, and in that I've met two or three different groups, and each one of them was saying the gospel in two places of what God's doing, and one of them is in Iran. And right now, Iran is a hot spot for people converting from uh, Muslim uh, you know Islam to Christ and and yeah. the, when I asked them why and they said because they have seen the failure of that religion and they see right. the hope and the peace that's in Christ and the other one that I've heard about is in Europe with with the Muslims you know tr- especially when they were getting out of Syria and out of Iraq and they were going to other places and they came to Europe and they got out of the bondage and they started hearing from the truth of who Christ is even in Europe that the the number of, of baptisms in Europe increased and most of it was because of those Muslims that had come to faith in Christ. That's the power of the gospel, isn't it, Lauren?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean and I can say our experience a hundred percent rings true to both of those things that you're saying there. And one of the things I like to, you know, in, in letting people know that Muslims are a lot like us. You know, in our country, we were in a pretty modern country. We were in a country that had very good Internet access, and uh, Facebook was a huge thing. And so, you know, especially for younger Muslim people, a lot of them, and, and especially the ones that are younger and are living kind of in a Western context or a big city in an urban context, what we're finding is there's a lot of them, especially kind of the younger millennial generation, they're going, you know what? Like, I've been raised Muslim, and this is what I know. But they see the things that you know some some other Muslim people have done, and they see things like ISIS, and they go. I mean, I had Muslim people tell me all the time, "I'm not like ISIS. That's not what I am." I and mean, they would tell me, "That's not true Islam." And so, some of them are really going through kind of an identity crisis, and they're going, "Where, you know, what really is truth?" They're asking themselves a lot of questions. The internet's given them the ability to see outside of you know just their small little world. And they're so hungry. Um, While we were living in our country, I was not living in the country of Iran, but I actually had an Iranian girl who started coming to an English club that we were doing. An English club was one of our main outreaches that we did because everybody wants to learn English. And so she started coming and she told me, she said, hey, I just want you to know I'm Muslim. And we said, hey, no problem. We're just glad that you're coming. So we started to build this relationship and we were... You know, doing English club together. And we specifically picked questions within our club that got to heart issues. So we would talk about love and we would talk about fear and we would talk about sadness because these are things that everyone experiences. But we picked them intentionally because we knew that as Christians, we could talk about what we believe and how Jesus You can't talk about love without talking about Jesus. You know, for us, like we could talk about sadness and talk about how God and Jesus, uh, you know, So through these conversations, she became more and more curious and wanted to know more. And she ended up asking me, she said, hey, Lauren, can can I have a Bible? Can we read a Bible together? And so through our friendship and through her getting to catch glimpses of who Jesus was, even though she wasn't in the country of Iran, you said God is moving in Iranians, and 100% God was moving in her heart. And as we started Mm -hmm. to read the Bible together, she decided to give her heart to Jesus, and it was an amazing thing for me to walk through because I remember the whole time going, God, like, I I almost feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I'm supposed to be the professional, but God, I need you. I need your Holy Spirit. And he absolutely changed her heart. And it's cool to see because, I mean, it was just so much a God thing. Now she's turning around and she's sharing her faith with other Iranians. So 100% God is moving in the Iranian world. He's moving, you know, just in the Muslim world in general.
1: Mm, that's awesome. So you mentioned, um, so you, you and your family stayed in that country until 2018. So yeah. you got to ask what's been going on with you guys since then, since that point?
2: Yeah. So in that story that I was just telling you, it was about that time that, you know, sometimes like things can be going amazing and God starts to kind of rock your world and shift your thinking and go, Hey, there's something else coming up that was going on in our lives. And um, I came across uh, in just my devotional time in the story in Acts 7 where, you know, most of us know the part of the story where Saul is on the road to Damascus and there's a light and he goes blind and, uh, you know, Saul was a bad man, but God was changing Saul's life. But right after that part of the story, it goes to a man named Ananias. And it says Ananias was praying and God speaks to Ananias. And he says, Ananias, I want you to go walk down the streets I want you to lay hands on a man named Saul and pray for him. I want to use him for my glory. And if you're familiar with this story, Ananias didn't say, okay, God, let's go. Ananias <laughs> said, God, Saul's a dangerous man. You know, like if Saul had a reputation. He was not friends with Christians. He was coming to hurt Christians. And I love God's response. He doesn't tell Ananias, it's okay, I'm going to keep you safe. You'll be fine. I think God, just in his kindness and graciousness, just repeated himself and said, Ananias, I want you to walk down Straight Street. I want you to lay hands on Saul and pray for him. I want to use him for my glory. And so I read this story, and then I was experiencing—I'm not in Iran, but I was experiencing what I was just telling you about how I was in my country, and my Iranian friend came to my country. I was sharing Jesus with her there, and then she was turning around, and she was sharing Jesus. With Iranians, you know, in a way that I wasn't able to do because I didn't know Blessed. Yeah. And so as I was praying through this story, I just felt like God was telling me, He said, Lauren, I used Saul as the first missionary to reach the world, and I used Ananias to reach Saul. And I just, mm-hmm. in my prayer times, I felt like God was saying, um, you know, there are so many more Ananiases. There are Muslim people who are moving into every major country and every major city of the world. And so many of those countries don't have the same kind of government restrictions like most Muslim countries do. And so these Muslims are moving into Christian countries, and Christians now have, I mean, an amazing opportunity to bring the gospel of Jesus to the Muslim people that God is bringing their way. You know, we believe God is bringing Muslims to these countries so that, Jesus, so that God can use Christians to share Jesus with them. And so this is all going on. Yes. And a very long story short, we got connected with a ministry based in the state. Um, Global Initiative is a parent ministry. It's all part of Assemblies of God's World well Mission. But we specifically, I work with a women's ministry called Say Hello. And the whole goal and purpose of Say Hello is to encourage and inspire Christian women and, and countries around the world to build um, genuine friendships with Muslim women so that they can share Jesus with them.
1: Awesome. Can you uh, tell us maybe how to uh, connect? Maybe a listener would like to learn more and uh, connect with those uh, ministries.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So in Say Hello, we uh, like I said, our entire purpose is to inspire and to equip Christians. So if you find yourself um, in a place where you go, hey, I can feel God doing this in my heart, um, for sure you can go check out our website. Um, Our website is sayhelloinfo.com. Um, the other thing you can go to, so my family, we are um, we are full-time missionaries. so we have to raise our funds just like any other website that's out there. Um, and so if you go to the website sayheltogether dot com, you will be able to find kind of my family's page, my family's landing page, and then you'll be able to find resources that you can use to help walk you down this journey. You can find our contact information and then just ways to help us continue to do this.
1: So those two websites are the website is com. Awesome. So uh, Lauren, what do you see specifically with uh, Muslim women that God is doing? I know we don't have a lot of time, but what do you see God yeah. doing just kind of in general uh, with, with Muslim yeah. women when they're connecting with Christian women who, you know, are bold and yeah. sharing the gospel as they build these relationships with them?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, oh, you have so many different places. A story that comes to mind is a friend of ours who she grew up in a in the Arabian Peninsula in a country in the Arabian Peninsula. And long story short, her and her family had to move to America. There uh, was you know just situations; it wasn't safe for them to be in the Arabian Peninsula, and they came to America. And so she they were from a very religious home, very staunch Islamic religious home, um, and remember she talks about how she was always try so hard to please her parents, and, you know, for, um, for a devout Muslim, they're very devoted, and they have just a desire to, you know, they. I mean, they're compelled, I mean, there's really a fear that compels them, but they're compelled to do good, and mm. so they're here living in America, she's trying to be a good Muslim American, she said she loved America, but, you know, they were here, and so, she, the way she tells the story is she said, you know, for seven years, she lived in the States, and she went to college, and she got a good job, went through high school. And she said for seven years, she would drive by churches, and she would wonder, what's going on inside those buildings? You know, she, she never knew for seven years. No one had ever told her, and it wasn't until one day when she was at work, and her grandma had just died, and she was crying. And so a, co- a co-worker came up and gave her a hug and, um, you know, tried to take some interest in her life. And the way she put the story, she said, I've had hundreds of thousands of hugs in my life. This hug was different because her mm. co-worker was a Jesus follower. And so her co-worker um, brought her to church, and this Muslim woman gave her heart to the Lord. And so one of the things, the reason I tell you that story is that I think Muslims in the West, You know, I'll say Muslims in America, but not only America, because it's also in Europe. Even in Latin America, there are tons of Muslim people moving in. And we're walking side by side. They're walking side by side with Christians. But I think what happens is there's two kinds of fear that keep Christians from reaching out to Muslims. One is kind of the fear that we all assume, a fear of danger, you know, all those kinds of things that the media portrays, which I feel is very much not very Amen. likely. Well,
0: Lauren, we're having to cut uh-huh. you off. Our program is going to run out. Nathan, oh, okay. thank you guys. Thank you, Lauren, for being with us here on Explored Missions, and we appreciate what God is doing, and we pray that He would continue to work and show His glory to all the world.